Welcome back to Chasing Dramas, the podcast that discusses Chinese history and culture through historical Chinese dramas. Today, we are discussing episode 58 of Empresses in the Palace, Hou Gong Zhen Huan Zhuan. We are your hosts, Karen and Kathy. In the last two episodes, our main character, Jin Huan, returned to the palace pregnant with the 17th prince's child, but has made the emperor believe that the child was his. The reason Jin Huan did this was, one, to save her father's life, and two, try to enact revenge on behalf of the 17th prince, who was presumed dead. We find out that he is alive and healthy, but unfortunately, she is stuck returning to the palace. Her fate for the rest of her life is pretty much sealed. Now that she's back, she is now no longer the Han woman Jin Huan. Instead, she is the Manchu woman Niu Huru Jin Huan. She's powerful, well-dressed, and has a much higher affinity for red lipstick. In the last episode, she was stopped by her former friend An Lingrong, who came to give her some advice, which were more like threats. Jin Huan returns to her palace, and we start the episode, episode 58, from there. As always, we will do an episode recap first, and then a brief analysis at the end of the episode. There's not a whole lot, but some interesting tidbits. So, what do we have here? As Jin Huan returns to her palace, her maid-slash-half-sister Huan Bi is all in a huff because clearly An Lingrong had a pouch that contained the terrible Shu Xiang or musk. See, now anytime you smell anything, you know it might be Shu Xiang. That is why the empress Huang Hou so many episodes back said she never likes any scent or fragrance that is not natural. The empress definitely knew what's up. On command, Jin Huan asks her other trusty maid, Jin Xi, about the lay of the land in the palace. Fortunately, Jin Xi is paired up now, as you could say, with the emperor's head eunuch, Su Pei Sheng, and he tells her how An Lingrong and Qi Ping are very favored in the palace, but the empress generally favors working with Qi Ping. Both of them An Lingrong and Qi Pin are under the camp or the umbrella of the empress and do her dirty deeds. Jin Huan can guess why the empress favors Qi Pin. Qi Pin is arrogant yet simple, much easier to manipulate. And as we've discussed in previous episodes, her father was the one who uh, framed Jin Huan's father and caused Jin Huan's father to be uh, punished and exiled. You can see the change in tone and behavior now from Jin Huan, though. She has her sources of information and knows how to manage her enemies. She's generally on the offensive rather than the defensive. In Chinese, you could say your enemies are now in the light, whereas previously, her enemies were pretty much always in the dark, and she didn't even know who her enemies really were. The biggest asset Jin Huan could have ever acquired in the palace is having the emperor's head eunuch, Su Pei Sheng, on her side. Since he is in front of the emperor most of the time, he's able to put in a good word for her or request things on her behalf. I still don't know how he has time to do personal things. Anyways, 
In the next scene, Su Peisheng does just that. While the emperor is in his study doing work, Su Peisheng brings some soup for the emperor and mentions that Jin Huan is uh, looking a little bit gloomy these days. A visit from her family would most likely cheer her up. This prompts the emperor to allow her sick father to visit her once he is recovered from his illness. The emperor visits Jin Huan to tell her the news. She is very pleased to hear that her father will be able to see her. Now, I'm wondering if Jin Xi asked Su Peisheng to make this ask, or if Su Peisheng did it out of his own kindness. I'm hoping for the latter, but regardless, the end result is positive. Jin Huan is much more at ease now. To reinforce how powerful and influential Su Peisheng is, let's see what he does here. He steers the conversation next towards where the emperor will be staying that night. The emperor initially says that he will stay with Jin Huan, but as a pregnant woman, Jin Huan says he is not supposed to stay with her, so she nudges him elsewhere. He says, fine, I'll go visit Ning Guiren. She's the concubine who was formerly a lowly horse tamer. Here is where Su Peisheng is once again impactful. Su Peisheng says, sure, we'll let Ning Guiren know that you'll be arriving. But when we pass where Qi Ping lives, we'll probably hear some grumbles. The emperor is a little surprised by this and asks if Qi Ping always says negative things. Here, Su Peisheng chooses his words wisely. He says, I've only heard it a few times, but it's no wonder. The Empress Dowager doesn't like Ning Guiren, so it's no surprise others don't either. This promptly annoys the Emperor. He even says the Empress Dowager is the Empress Dowager. Who does Qi Ping think she is? And the specific word that he uses to reference her is what thing does she think she is, which is pretty derogatory. I hadn't noticed this in previous viewings, but Su Peisheng here is planting the seeds of annoyance, suspicion, and distrust in the emperor's mind about Qi Pin. Jin Huan says he shouldn't mind, but on cue, a eunuch comes to alert the emperor that Qi Pin isn't feeling well. Does the emperor want to go take a look? The emperor initially was like, mm, no, and tells the eunuch to lie to Qi Pin as to why he won't go. Once the eunuch is gone, Chen Huan actually recommends the emperor to go and uh, visit Qi Ping. Could it be out of the kindness of her heart? Absolutely not. Now, this next part, I don't know if it was planned or not, but Chen Huan and the emperor go visit Qi Ping. But before they arrive, what is going on? At Qi Ping's palace, Qi Ping is beating her servants, one in particular, because the emperor isn't coming. But as she's doing this, who comes to see her? The emperor. Qi Pin is in shock and immediately kneels to the ground. She knows what she's doing doesn't look good. The emperor is very angry to see Qi Pin behave this way, especially after learning that Qi Pin has been beating the maid who used to work for Zhen Huan. Xin Guiren, who is in the same palace as Qi Pin, has been belittled by Qi Pin for a very long time, swiftly uses this opportunity to explain how Qi Pin uses her concubine title 
over her, Xingguiren, so that she can't even protect her servants from such abuse. These words, again, I'm assuming were chosen very wisely because it prompts the emperor that Qi Ping isn't deserving of this title, and he says as much. He demotes Qi Ping to now being Qi Guiren, a noble lady, and moves her to another residence and places her under confinement. All managing responsibilities of the palace will now fall to Xin Guiren. Ta-da! And with that, Chen Huan is able to put Qi Pin, now Qi Guiren, in her place and gain an ally in Xin Guiren. After all, it was Xin Guiren who came to Chen Huan in the last episode to ask for help and be on the same team. This seems simple enough of an obstacle to remove. Chen Huan didn't really have to do much work. She kind of just let Qi Pin do a lot of the work for her and just presented the emperor with the, uh, I guess, the reality of how Qi Ping behaves. She leveraged Qi Ping's own arrogance to bring about her own punishment. Oh, and of course, Chen Huan has to thank Su Peisheng. Without all of his nuggets of information, I don't think the emperor would have been so annoyed. In the next scene, Jin Huan and the emperor stop by to visit the empress dowager. There, Jin Huan shares a pretty big secret. She's actually having twins. That is why her stomach looks bigger than normal. This to the emperor is quite a pleasant surprise. <laughs> Although we'll have to say, look at those genes from the 17th prince. Uh, first, uh, first child and you're having twins. It means Jin Huan here doesn't have to hide the fact that her pregnancy is actually earlier than expected because who's going to really know how big a stomach is with twins? The Empress Dowager and the Emperor are very excited, but Jin Huan requests that they keep this information a secret until she gives birth. Part of this is her master plan. Jin Huan wants to bait those who are ill-willed against her because they surely will think that her pregnancy is pretty suspicious, and they will suggest that she cheated. Well, she did, but luckily the twins hide this fact, and she gets out in front and tells this fact to the emperor, so he will ignore those rumors, or also kind of realize that these rumors are pernicious to Jin Huan. And the other thing is identify who are the people who are aiming to harm Jin Huan. I would assume Jin Huan's allies, such as Jing Fei or Duan Fei, won't mention any such thing and won't go to the emperor and say, oh, you know, Jin Huan may have cheated on you or suggest that. During this conversation, the Empress Dowager mentions that the Empress is still sick. The emperor should go and speak to Qing Tianjian again to see what's going on. Remember, Qing Tianjian is the imperial astronomer, and we've seen him or mentioned this before. The emperor agrees, and we get to the next scene. The emperor has the meeting with Qing Tianjian, but instead of the imperial astronomer, he uh, receives the deputy. This deputy says the imperial astronomer is sick, so that's why he's here. A few months ago, the imperial astronomer persuaded the emperor that Jin Huan was unlucky due to the alignment of the stars. This astronomer acknowledges that over the past few months, 
The danger has subsided, but a new threat is now written in the stars. This time, the jing or well mansion and the gui or ghost mansion of the vermilion bird of the south symbols both appear in the sky. This is unlucky. Whoever lives in the south side of the palace and has parents or names that includes characters relating to wood or mu should be avoided. Again, I am not an astronomer. Just did some basic research. Um, it's quite cool, but quite a mouthful to get these translations. Yeah, <laughs> translated. Uh, yeah, I don't get any of that, but it is quite clear that the emperor will or should avoid whoever that fits this criteria. And if you look at this scene, it's fantastic because Su Pei Sheng is hastily in his mind or in his eyes, just flitting about trying to think who could possibly fit this description. After pondering a bit, he pipes up that An Ling Rong fits the bill. The emperor is somewhat suspicious at first, but Su Peisheng gives several reasons why it could be her, that she is the unlucky one. The empress is still unhealthy. It could be due to An Ling Rong's close association with the Empress, because the Empress is generally being uh, tended to by An Lingrong. The astronomer simply states that this woman should be away from people. With this recommendation, the Emperor orders An Lingrong to be confined or restricted. Oh look, with that, one more of the Empress's posse is now confined. This scene is very interesting, because if you remember that in the last episode, Shen Meizhuang, best friend of our main character Zhen Huan, was the one to say that this deputy in Qing Tianjian is probably someone they, she and Zhen Huan, can rely on. I'm assuming she or Zhen Huan did something behind the scenes to cause the head astronomer to fall ill, thereby giving this deputy the opportunity to speak to the emperor. And what do you know? The emperor goes ahead and makes this guy the deputy, the head. I don't know if Shen Meizhuang and Zhen Huan fed him these lines and making An Lingrong the unlucky or bad omen. It is suggested that this is what happened. Otherwise, it seems too neat that their enemy is now being isolated from her master. I think that this is a simple and effective way to separate An Lingrong from support, and not once. Will the emperor suspect Jin Huan or Shen Meizhuang had to anything to do with it? These ladies are definitely building up a list of people to rely on, and it is quite impressive. I also love the fact that the initial, I guess, plot by the empress to use the astronomer to stop Jin Huan from coming back into the palace is now being used against her. Shen Meizhuang and Jin Huan are not idiots. They know how to manipulate words when they need to, uh, let's say, sway the emperor in one way or another. This scene doesn't have too much significance uh, in the long run, especially this new deputy, but I feel like it showcases once again how these ladies are building up their, I guess, faction or their team in the palace. Now, this is where we get to, for me, the uh, highlight of the episode. 
The emperor decides to visit Shen Meizhuang, who now lives in Zhen Huan's previous residence, Sui Yuxuan. This is quite the event, and everyone knows. Su Peisheng comes to tell Zhen Huan, who is playing Chinese Go with the other concubine, Duan Fei. They're all very surprised about this meeting because Shen Meizhuang has actively avoided seeing the emperor for years, it seems like right now. I think, actually. Yeah. And the emperor himself has refrained from visiting her. The empress dowager also hears this news and is very happy about it. Seriously, the emperor visits someone and the entire palace knows in an instant. The truth is, Shen Meizhuang had her heart broken way back when, during her fake pregnancy scandal. She was tricked into believing she was pregnant by the powerful Hua Fei and was severely punished by the emperor. Since then, she has become very detached towards him and does not care for his attention. So, she turned her attentions towards uh, caring for the Empress Dowager. During the dinner with the Emperor, the Emperor pretty much says he knows that the reason why Shen Meizhuang moved to Jin Huan's old residence was to avoid him for these years. As they're having this rather somber discussion where he is pouring his heart out to her, the Empress Dowager decides to help them along and send them a bottle of liquor or jiu that will um, help them with their emotions. I thought he was being quite candid. I enjoyed uh, his declarations. They were true. He does say that, you know, if that scandal with Huafei hadn't happened, perhaps his emotions or his feelings would be just as strong for Shin Meizhuang as they are for Jin Huan. Unfortunately, it doesn't seem like Shin Meizhuang cares too much about it. In any case, the Empress Dowager says that they, these two may need some help. So her maid promptly arrives and drops off the liquor. The Emperor pointedly asks her what type of liquor this is. She doesn't even hesitate and point-blank tells him that it is to help the two of them spend a good evening together. Courtesy of his mother. <laughs> That's pretty funny, to be honest. Your mom making sure that you uh, do the deed with the lady? <laughs> okay. But unfortunately, this drink serves the exact opposite purpose. And shortly after the maid leaves, the emperor also decides to leave. I mean, it kind of makes sense. Bringing this drink means that the two of them need help getting to where they should be. The emperor probably doesn't mind, but he feels a barrier from Shin Meizhuang and doesn't want to force her. Part of me also thinks it's more ego-driven. He doesn't want to resort to such means for a woman to be with him. I mean, after all, he is the high and mighty emperor. He wants her to be willing on her own. She clearly isn't, so he leaves. Shen Meizhuang is understandably sad. Not because he left, but because she thinks he's hypocritical. And that's fair. She laments why he's saying all these heartfelt things when he was the one to break her heart in the first place. She doesn't think that Huafei, on balance, was as terrible as the things that he did to her, namely not trusting her. She is saddened and starts to drink that special liquor alone in her residence without her servants. After a while, she becomes drunk and is crying in her room. Her servants, 
rightly so, worried about her, quickly called for the imperial doctor Wen Shichu to come provide some medicine to help her sober up. He's worried about her and hurriedly arrives to see her in a pretty drunk state. He tells the servant to boil the medicine that he brought and is then alone in the palace with Shen Meizhuang. Though he tries to persuade her to stop drinking, she turns around and asks him to drink with her. He worriedly obliges, but I think in an instant, you look at his face. When he has a drink, he realizes that he had liquor that had some additional ingredients in it. He doesn't stop drinking though. He continues to have a few more glasses with her as she shares her innermost thoughts, her loneliness, her sadness, and she is crying beautifully. Who could resist? One thing leads to another, and he carries her off screen. Hey, this is a very classy drama. We all know what happens next, but it's very classy. My question is, um, he told the maid to go out. Did she just leave for like three hours or like what is happening? Plus, something else that I thought was very interesting in this scene is his mentee actually said, mentor, I will jot down the exact time you went into the palace. So people know exactly when he went to visit Shin Meizhuang. So I guess they were very quick about what happened and he left in a hurry. So we'll leave these two uh, as, as they are. I don't know if they're lovebirds right now, but uh, this is quite scandalous. Once again, the emperor is now a man that wears a green hat. In Chinese, it's dai lu mao zi. What does that mean? We'll discuss this at the end of the episode. Moving on, Jin Huan meets Ye Lan Yi or Ning Guiren out in the garden. We didn't mention this in our recap of episode 56, but they met briefly before on the same topic they're discussing now, He Huan Hua. In English, this translates to Persian silk tree. This flower is the 17th prince's favorite flower, which hints to um, why Jin Huan and Ye Lan Yi both are very uh, particular about this flower and how both of these ladies fancy the handsome man. It is pouring outside, and Jin Huan basically invites herself over to Ye Lan Yi's palace. I think she wants to get to know this woman a little bit better. Like, what's her deal? She also pretty much has an affinity towards her because Ye Lan Yi has a background with the 17th prince, and is so particular about these flowers. Well, Jin Huan steps in with Jin Xi, and the first thing Jin Huan notices is the cats that Ye Lan Yi owns. Jin Huan is extremely nervous. I mean, why wouldn't she be? She's currently pregnant, and the last time she was out with a cat around, someone miscarried, so she does not want to repeat that mistake. Well, later that evening, the emperor arrives to tell Jin Huan that He's been informed that there have been some subtle rumors flying around in the imperial palace. Jin Huan assuages the emperor and requests that he doesn't repeat them to her. It's not worth the effort to address any of these. Her response wins a ton of brownie points uh, in the emperor's eyes. So what do we think the rumors are about? We'll find out immediately in the next scene. 
Well, the episode ends with the emperor dining with the empress. All seems fine, but then the empress decides to personally bring up these rumors. The timing is, in my opinion, impeccable, as a positive for Chen Huan and a negative for the empress. The empress hints that the rumors are about Chen Huan's pregnancy. Apparently, her tummy is a bit too big for whatever month she's in right now. I can't remember. <laughs> Could it be that um, the baby is not yours? I love it. The emperor just sort of like has a blank stare, but you can totally tell that he is like fuming, not annoyed. He's like fuming right now. The emperor doesn't say anything about the twins, but he believes that, you know, that's the true reason why her stomach or her tummy is bigger. The emperor just bluntly tells the empress to ignore these rumors and leave the affairs of the imperial palace to others. Then he walks away after eating one bite of dinner. Ouch. The empress doesn't actually know what hit her. She believes Jin Huan cheated, but can't figure out why the emperor isn't suspicious. Well, that's it for the recap. This was a fun episode, in, in my opinion. Yes, there are some sad parts, but um, Jin Huan finally takes agency and successfully wins a round against Qi Pin and An Ling Rong. Mm -hmm. The Empress Dowager tried to push things along between her son and Shen Mei Zhuang, but uh, it was another man who spent the night. How exciting for Shen Mei Zhuang. Okay, we totally don't advocate for adultery, but um, we were rooting for Shen Mei Zhuang over here. I know, she was so in love with Wen Shichu for such a long time. So on to our analysis. In this episode, Shen Mei Zhuang and the good doctor finally get it on. I don't know if he's that willing, but I don't know. Not without some help from some liquor, though. It definitely is an aphrodisiac. I like how the Empress Dowager just has these on standby. <laughs> Now, this is two times the emperor has been made a cuckold. In Chinese, a cuckolded man is called a man wearing a green hat, or as Karen said earlier, dai li mao If you've never used these three words in a sentence in Chinese, good for you. If you see a man wearing a hat or a green hat, I would um, refrain from using this phrase. Don't say like, oh my god, he's wearing a green hat. If Especially ever, to a Chinese guy. Don't ever say that. If, if they understand Chinese. So today we're going to dive into the origins of this phrase. Dai lui Legend has it that there was once a couple. The wife was your typical housewife, but a lovely woman at that. One day her husband left for work on a business trip for several months. The wife was alone at home, and after several days, a fabric vendor caught her eye. He was a handsome young man, and uh, it didn't take long for them to develop a relationship or have an affair. The husband returned home, and the fabric vendor was not able to uh, have another rendezvous with the wife. One day, the husband left town on a hunting trip, and the fabric vendor saw this. He immediately took his chance, climbed the wall, and uh, snuck in to the wife's bedchambers. 
Well, the husband returned later that afternoon and almost caught the fabric vendor. The wife was terrified. So the next time she saw her lover, she came up with this uh, brilliant plan. Every single time my husband leaves for a long trip, I will have him wear a green hat. When you see him leave wearing the green hat, you'll know that it is um, safe to visit. The husband, none the wiser, I mean, really just loved this gift from his wife. And every single time he remembered to wear this green hat on his travels, on his hunting trips. And this served as the perfect signal for the wife's lover to uh, spend some quality time with the wife. And that is, according to legend, how this story of Dai Lui Mao's or wearing the green hat came about. That story was simply just legend, but there are historical uh, reasons as to why men wear, or men who are cuckolded, wear a green hat. So, according to records in the Tang, Ming, and Yuan dynasty, men who were family members of prostitutes had to wear green headscarves. This represents the fact that they were related to prostitutes or the prostitution business. Green also represented the lowest social class in uh, Imperial China. Due to the close connection between the color green and prostitution, the meaning of the green headscarf transformed to represent if a wife committed adultery or was unfaithful to her husband or to her man, I would say. There are other origins or stories around this. One other one comes from the Yuan dynasty around the Mongols, but you get the gist. I think it's hilarious because I've only heard this uh, phrase before. I did not realize this was such a historical phrase. I honestly thought this was a more modern thing and was like, whoa, did not know that very old books documented this language. In any case, that is all for today's episode. Hope you enjoyed our discussion of episode 58 of Hogong Chen Huan Zhuan. As always, if you have any feedback, comments, or questions, please email us at karenandkathy at chasingdramas.com or follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Thanks so much for listening, and we will catch you in the next episode.